Lots of channels, nothing to watch, especially if you're searching for the truth. It's time to interrupt your regularly scheduled programs with something actually worth watching. Salem News Channel, straightforward, unfiltered, with in-depth insight and analysis from the greatest collection of conservative minds like Hugh Hewitt, Mike Gallagher, Sebastian Gorka, and more. Find truth. Watch 24-7 on SNC.TV and on Local Now, Channel 525. Welcome to Lift Up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. We are here every weekday at this time to share the good news of Jesus and to lift up His name to this city. No matter if you are listening right now from your car or at home or in your place of work, we believe that today's sermon from Pastor Dudley will be a blessing to everyone. So if you can, get out your Bibles and let's join Pastor Dudley right now with his message. Now, many of us, many of us in this room, we're totally blind to spiritual warfare. We certainly do not understand the weapons that are at our disposal that God explains here in chapter 6. If you are unaware of the devil and you're unaware of his schemes and you are unaware of the weapons that are yours as Christians, then you are vulnerable to his attacks. As we begin today, I want to give you a little bit of background, a little introduction, all right? That's all we're going to get through today. There are two extremes when it comes to the devil. Number one, write this down. Here's extreme number one, that there's a demon behind every tree. That's an extreme position. Anytime something goes wrong in your life, you blame it on a demon. All right, that's foolishness. I had a guy, I was eating with him, and he spilled some food on his shirt, and he goes, that's the demon of sloppiness. I said, no, you're just a sloppy person. That's all. That's, that's not the demon's fault. That's your fault. Amen? Have you ever heard of the demon of, uh, uh, called calorie? Have you ever heard of the demon uh, of hair loss? I've dealt with that demon many times. You ever dealt with the demon of lukewarm coffee or traffic on the 405? That's a demon. The other extreme, and this is extreme, it's opposite of that, is that the devil doesn't exist, that he's a myth, that there is no such thing as the devil. You know, some people don't believe that God exists. And just like some people don't think God exists, there are some people who don't think that the devil exists, that he's just make-believe. I love to ask people, or I always ask people who say they don't believe in the devil, I love to ask this question, well, where do you think all the evil in the world comes from? Paul, in chapter 6, he talks about spiritual warfare, and he's writing this letter to the church in Ephesus. So I want to give you some background, and I've already given you some, but today I want to give you more, because I'm convinced if you don't understand the background what was going on in the city of Ephesus, you will never understand what he's writing when he writes in chapter 6. First of all, Ephesus is the fourth largest city in the world. Los Angeles is the 14th largest city in the world today. But back in Paul's day, Ephesus was the fourth largest city in the world. 
They had this temple called the Temple of Artemis or the Temple of Diana. It was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. Inside that temple were prostitutes. And part of the culture of that day was for people to go to what they called the house of worship and engage in prostitution and such they would be connected in some way to the false goddess uh, Artemis or Diana. And so we have a city full of gross immorality. Now Paul writes this letter in 65 AD. 15 years earlier, he showed up for the very first time on one of his missionary journeys. He starts a church. He's there about three years, and then he leaves. And 10 years later, he writes chapter 6, chapters 1, 2, 3, 4, and 5, 6. But in order, again, for you to understand that, I want you to go back, take your Bibles, We want to see the first day Paul showed up, what did he see? What happened when he first got there before he started the church? And I want you to turn to Acts 19. That's five books to your left. So if you have your Bible, turn to the left, all right? Just turn left. You pass over Galatians, you pass over 1 and 2 Corinthians, and you come to the book of Acts. This is when he first shows up. And... You're not going to understand what he writes in chapter 6 of Ephesians unless you understand what you're about ready to read right now. What was going on in this city that was the fourth largest city in the world? Besides the temple of Diana, besides the temple of Artemis, besides all the gross immorality, what else was going on in this city? Let's look starting in verse 1, Acts chapter 19, verse 1. Apollos was at Corinth. Paul took the road that went through the interior. Everybody say interior. Uh, So he didn't take the coastal route, but for some reason he took the interior route. He literally traveled hundreds of miles. He went clear around the entire Aegean Sea, and then he came down into the city called Ephesus, the fourth largest city in the world. Now look at what happened. He met a group of disciples there, and in verse 2, he asked these people, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They said, which is shocking, no, we've not even heard of, what? what? Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? Well, what's that? They They had never even heard of the Holy Spirit. This is in Acts chapter 19. If you go all the way back to Acts chapter 2, which was the first day of the church on the day of Pentecost, in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, Peter is preaching. There's a large group of people. They said, what shall we do? Peter said, every one of you should repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for two reasons, for two things. Number one, all of your sins will be forgiven. And number two, you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. We have studied quite concisely that every time, any time anyone gives their heart and life to Jesus Christ, we know that God puts his Holy Spirit inside that individual. We know that. That all began in Acts chapter 2. That was in Jerusalem. But now we're all the way in Acts chapter 19. We're a long ways from Jerusalem. There's a couple of disciples in this great city full of immorality. And Paul shows up and he asked them this question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they said, 
what are you talking about? We've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. What is the Holy Spirit? Then he says in verse 3, Paul asked, well, then what baptism did you receive? And they said John's baptism. And Paul said in verse 4, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told, John told people not to believe in him. You're supposed to believe in the one coming after him, which is in Jesus. You're not supposed to be baptized in the name of John. You're supposed to be baptized in the name of Jesus because when you're baptized in the name of Jesus, God will give you his Holy Spirit. So, verse 5, in hearing this, they were baptized into the name of the Lord Jesus, and they received the Holy Spirit. Now, they had no understanding of God's Holy Spirit. No understanding. You say, what's the significance of that? Listen, how in the world are you going to live in the fourth largest city in the world with the temple of Artemis where people are traveling from all over the world to engage in prostitution and you're going to live in that culture and be a Christian without God's Holy Spirit living in you? How in the world are you going to do that? I mean, just imagine today, you live in Los Angeles. I stood up here right now and I said, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And, and all of you say, well, we've never even, what is that? We've never even heard. How are you going to live in Los Angeles without God's Spirit living inside of you? Don't you see how you wouldn't stand a chance? Number five, write this down, persecution breaks out. Anytime the gospel is preached, persecution always breaks out. Now I want you to read this. I want you to understand what's going on here. Look at verse 8. Paul, everybody say Paul. He entered the what? The church or the synagogue? Who's inside a synagogue? Who? Jews are inside of a synagogue. So he goes into the synagogue and he spoke timidly or boldly? Boldly. And how long did he go in that synagogue and preach? That's a fourth of a year. For three months. He went in that synagogue and he preached boldly. And the Bible says that he, ar- he argued persuasively about the kingdom of God. Why would he argue persuasively? Well, because the gospel has never come to Ephesus. He shows up, he walks in the synagogue, it's full of Jewish people. He realizes that none of them have been taught that Jesus is the Messiah, that Jesus is the fulfillment of all those Old Testament scriptures. And so he walks in there and he realizes that these people do not know Jesus Christ. Paul himself is convinced that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul himself is convinced that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament scriptures. And so he walks in there and he's full of boldness. And the Bible says that he argues persuasively. Why? Why? Because he wants them to be saved too. He wants them to realize that Jesus is the fulfillment of the Old Testament scriptures. And the Bible says, if you keep reading in verse 9, some of them became what? Obstinate. And they refused to believe. And they publicly, you know what that is? That's a protest. They were protesting publicly. 
publicly maligning those who belong to the way, those who believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So what did Paul do in verse 9? He left them. He took his disciples, those that wanted to listen, and he, had, he, just, he just went down the street and he found a lecture hall and he had daily discussions in the lecture hall. How long was he in the synagogue? Three months. He got basically kicked out of there. And so he goes down the street to a lecture hall and he began to preach daily. And look at verse 10. This went on for two years so that all the Jews and all the Greeks who lived not just in in Ephesus, but in the entire province of Asia, heard the word of the Lord. Amen? A little bit later in this chapter, I don't have time to read it all, but a riot breaks out in the whole city. There's a guy, he's a silversmith. And he makes these little trinkets, these little false idols. They're like a, just a little statue of the goddess Diana. And he's selling them to make money. You can imagine people travel from all over the world to see that beautiful building. And they walk inside that building, engage in prostitution. They come out. They're walking down the streets. They need a souvenir of what they've done, where they've been. And here's the silversmith. He's selling the little false goddess Artemis. Don't you see how people bought those things left and right? Well, the text says that, that uh, the silversmith, he got upset because Paul had been preaching and there were so many people that were being converted to Jesus Christ, they stopped buying those little trinkets. And so he got upset and he called everybody together. And all of a sudden there was a riot that broke out. The Bible actually says that the entire town got together. And I want to show you one verse. Look down at verse 29. It says, soon the whole city was in an uproar. The people seized uh, Gaius and Aristarchus, which were Paul's traveling companions from Macedonia, and they rushed as one man into the theater. Well, what theater is that? I've showed it to you. Here's the theater. It's still there. It seats 25,000 people. It's there today. You can go see it. Now, Ephesus is a town, has over a quarter million people in it. And the Bible says there weren't a few protesters. The Bible says that the entire town showed up. And they, were, they ran into this theater. And they were shouting at the tops of their lungs, Great is the God of Artemis. Great is the God of Artemis. Great is the God of Artemis. Why were they upset? They were upset that Paul had been preaching and so many Christians were following Jesus instead of the false god. That's why they were upset. I want to ask you this question. Why are Christians hated today? Why why are we hated so much? We start hospitals. We take care of kids. We start churches. We help those who are in need. We try to uh, put marriages back together. We have stuff for children trying to keep kids off the streets. We help missionaries all. Why are we hated so much? You know why? Because the pornographers want to make money selling pornography, and they know if they get enough people going to church and stop watching pornography that they're not going to make any money. So they come out, they hate everything we do because they want to keep money in their pocket. The abortionists, uh, they want to make money performing abortions. 
So anytime anybody says anything against the board, man, they get upset because the bottom line is they're not going to make as much money as they were making before. And you can go on down the line with Hollywood and the media. They still want to promote same-sex marriage, and they are livid. They are livid if you think anything uh, uh, different than what they believe. Anytime the gospel is preached and lives are transformed and lives that, are, that have transformation begin to affect those who are trying to make money in the world, they will get upset and they will shout, great is our God of Artemis, great is our God of Artemis, great is our false God Artemis, because they don't want Jesus Christ to rule and to reign and to be supreme. Number six, write this down. There were evil spirits and demonic warfare. It was going on. Don't don't deny that there was spiritual demonic warfare. Look at verse 13. There were some Jews who went around driving out. What were they driving out? There were evil spirits in Ephesus. And they tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. There were people who were demon-possessed. And they would say, in the name of Jesus, they wouldn't say in the name of Jesus, who, who is my Lord, because they didn't really know Jesus. They just heard Paul doing this. And so they would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Verse 14, there were seven sons of Sceva, Jewish chief priest. They were doing this. And one day, verse 15, the evil spirit answered them. I bet they were shocked when they heard the demon talk back. And the demon said, well, Jesus I know, and I know about Paul, but who the heck are you? (laughs) In verse 16, the man who had the evil spirit jumped on them and overpowered them, and he gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. I bet they didn't do that again. But that city was filled with evil spirits, full of evil spirits. Number uh, seven, write this down. It was a city infested with the occult. Verse 19 says there was a number who had practiced sorcery, witchcraft, the occult. They brought their scrolls, their paraphernalia, their teachings together, and they burned them publicly. And when they had calculated the value of the scrolls, In other words, these people were getting converted to Jesus Christ, and they brought all of their evil writings, and they burned them publicly, and they valued up how much of the scrolls, what would it cost did they just burn? The total came to 50,000 drachmas. One drachma was one day's wage. It would take you 120 years of working to pay to equal 50,000 drachma. You say, Pastor, why are you showing us all of this? Because you will never understand Ephesians chapter 6 if you don't understand what was actually going on in the city of Ephesus. They were void of the Holy Spirit. They knew nothing of the Holy Spirit. There was gross immorality. They had a temple to a false goddess named Artemis. They had evil spirits. They had the occult. There was demonic warfare. There was persecution. No wonder Paul writes about spiritual warfare in Ephesians chapter 6. I want to just read through this. And I I know I meant to get in this and get through all of it, but there was just no way to cover all this. Do you understand that? But I want to read this out loud. I want you to read it with me, okay? 
And I want to tell you something. The devil does not want you to read this. He doesn't want you to see it. He doesn't want you to even know this is in the Bible. He's hoping you didn't bring your Bible today. He's hoping you just walked in here without a Bible. He's hoping that I don't read these. He's hoping I fall over dead right now before I actually read this. He's hoping you don't even hear these words. So we're not only going to read them, we're going to say them out loud. We say them out loud. Look at verse 10. Verse 10, Ephesians 16. Read it out loud. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but it's against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, that you may be able to stand your ground, and after you have done everything, to stand. Stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, and pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the saints. And pray also for me that whenever I open my mouth, the words may be given so that I will be fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in change. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. Amen, amen, amen. There are two things you've got to learn. And I was supposed to talk about the first one. Your adversary. You've got to know who you're fighting. And you need to know your armor, your weapons. Okay? Last weekend, I spoke for Manny Pacquiao. He had, he had a Bible study every night. I preached Friday night, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. And he had this fight. And for the last few months of his life, he studies who his opponent is. And then he prepares himself to do battle so that at the end of the fight, he remains standing. And we are in a spiritual battle today, my friend. There is a battle being fought this very moment between good and evil, between the church and the world, between heaven and hell, between God and Satan. There is a war that is going on. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. 
If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. If you're like me, you've discovered there are some books in the Bible that are not always easy to navigate through. Like, for instance, the book of Proverbs. Proverbs contains 31 chapters and can be very daunting to go through if you are looking for a specific topic. That's why Pastor Dudley has created the perfect resource to help you with the book of Proverbs. It's called Proverbs in a Haystack, and it is our special offer for everyone listening today. Proverbs in a Haystack removes the challenge of searching through the book of Proverbs. It has over 2,000 topics that easily cross-reference to the exact chapter and verse you are looking for. This invaluable resource can be yours right now for a gift of any size to the Lift Up Jesus radio ministry. You can receive your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack by calling us at 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. You can also order this book directly from our website, liftupjesus.com. That address again is liftupjesus.com. We know you will be blessed by this unique resource created exclusively by Pastor Dudley. So be sure to call right now and ask for your copy of Proverbs in a Haystack today. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Pastor Dudley.